this weekend. Join Vision CEO Phil Edwards for Sunday Morning Together. Each week, Phil is joined by pastors from across Australia as they minister to us all. Communion, conversation, encouragement and a smorgasbord of great songs help us focus on God's character and promises. Sunday Morning Together with Phil Edwards on Vision and on demand every Sunday in the free Vision Christian Media app. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. Well, the dust might be settling on the voice referendum, but today exploring what will be likely some lasting legacies. Andrew McCall is the Family Voice Australia State Director for Queensland. Good to have you back with us, Andrew. Welcome along. Thank you, Neil. It's good to be back again. Uh, Andrew, you think that the voice referendum will have some lasting legacies. Uh, Give us your insights here. Well, I came across a document in The Australian by Paul Kelly, uh, Neil, where he wrote this, that this voice referendum will have lasting legacies. The 61-31% split defeat is devastating, but made worse by several factors. It saw the most intense referendum campaign by a Prime Minister since Federation. It saw the most substantial alignment of elite and celebrity power for a referendum in our history. It was cast as a moral invitation and a test of the nation's conscience. Yet the defeat is one of the worst and looking at the need to carry at least four out of the six states, the no votes in Queensland at 69%, South Australia at 65% and Western Australia at 64% show this proposal was flawed from the start. The serial blunders made by Albanese, our elites and the Yes camp reflect a delusional view of Australian values. If the referendum's advocates fall for their self-serving propaganda that the result was due to disinformation, racism and prejudice, they are only likely to repeat their blunders. Albanese should never have put the referendum in this form. Now, there will undoubtedly be listeners to our conversation today who are in fact still divided uh, on this whole issue where the referendum uh, <coughs> fell. Um, give us your insights here. Um, I, I think uh, listeners will pick up uh, your position on all of this. Um, where are you sitting on on how things have fallen? Uh, happiness, sadness? Well, I am happy, Neil, because I, I think it's a, a big relief that the, the referendum's over and the no vote won. And now there'll be no more of the arguments, the bitterness, the division and the telling of half-truths, at least for a while. And, well, well, I hope so. What can we learn from this? And I think we can learn some things from it. Firstly, as we all know, Australians historically are cautious about constitutional change. And unless there is bipartisan support for it, the attempts for change will fail. We've regularly reaffirmed in Australia this historical adage, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, Secondly, despite the fact that Australians are reluctant to embrace constitutional change, Mr Albanese seemed casual, disinterested and contemptuous. 
in laying no essential groundwork for the referendum. He never made a serious attempt to establish common ground with the opposition, which could have made bipartisanship feasible. And when questions about details were raised by Mr Dutton and a host of others, including at least five law professors, concerning potential legal and constitutional complications that would accompany a successful yes vote, the PM brazenly brushed these off as if they were of no consequence. Now, 60% of us have brushed him off. And thirdly, Neil, voters were never provided with the details. So why did the PM expect they'd be willing to sign a, basically a blank check? Did he think they'd just trust him? That was presumption of the highest order. Finally, he was publicly undone by Peter Credlin when he never bothered to read the, the referendum's foremost document and exclaimed on Talkback Radio, why should I? Well, if he hadn't bothered to read it, why should we take any notice of him? Uh, interesting point before we move on from here. The thought that, you know, did he think they'd just trust him, uh, the Australian people? Because, yes, as we reflect back on it, uh, the very little detail, and, of course, uh, listeners, uh, it will certainly uh, strike a chord that those things that you're saying are a little bit obvious, uh, but is there a sense here in which that sort of pride uh, can be something in leaders and they're living in their own bubble too. They're listening to what their advisors are saying and uh, whether the Australian people are all on side with this and there must have been a lot of people and their own internal polling that were saying, yes, people are all on side with this. But <coughs> but you raise that important point. Uh, did he just think that Australians would trust him uh, to change the constitution without giving the detail that's that's challenging but then of course um, uh, the other side of the equation uh, they couldn't have counted on the presence of Sen Senator uh, Jacinta Nampajimpa Price uh, she certainly made that huge impact and there may be something of a legacy in what she has been able to do in um, in putting forward the no case well this is a this is a thing Neil and here we have a part of original Northern Territory Senator mother of four that actually knew something firsthand of the shocking outcomes from official neglect and abuse among the Aboriginal people. She knows that political promises, along with buckets of money, don't solve the problems for remote Aboriginal communities or anyone else for that matter. In fact, they've actually made them worse. So Senator Price chose instead to talk about alcohol-related violence within the Aboriginal communities, the sexual abuse of children, and the lack of accountability of government departments. She knew that undergirding all of this are some fundamental cultural issues. Lack of properly functioning family structures with the lack of male role models leading to the dreadful lack of education amongst Aboriginal children, particularly in those areas that are remote, leading to unemployment and poverty and crime. So all of a sudden, she's talking along these lines and people wanted to come and listen to her in public meetings, wherever she went. The promoters of the yes vote hadn't really counted on her. She pulled the rug from under her, their feet 
by highlighting the plain but unpleasant facts about Indigenous issues, not some socialist utopian dreams for improvement unrelated to how things really are. Let me venture to suggest that there has been a big win in the campaign, and even though there was a no vote, and that is that these issues that you're identifying have come to light and they've been front of mind for every Australian. When you you talk about those cultural issues and uh, lack of properly functioning family structures, uh, role models from males, uh, uh, lack of education, these things are now front of mind in Australian uh, thinking. And we might hope, Andrew, that those things are now a part of what sort of audit and action might be ahead of our authorities and our policymakers for the future. But what do you think? I mean, Jacinta Price, I mean, some people on the other side might argue that, uh, you know, well, she's destroyed the case for having that body that would look at those things. But of course, she's identified these are the problems and now she's looking for solutions. What do you think about her purpose? Well, I'm I'm actually pleased that she's concerned about about facts because I think she's a competent conservative. Facts, individuals and families, and she's cautious about political promises. She knows firsthand how things are amongst her people. She sensibly opposed a referendum that couldn't solve entrenched problems that hadn't been properly prepared by its proponents. She concluded that it wouldn't be good for the Aboriginal community or anyone else and would actually lead to further division and animosity within the Australian community. And I think it's what she's done has been frank, it's been plain, and lots of people, as you're saying, Neil, are very much aware now of the real problems that are faced within the Aboriginal communities. Is it a sense here in which, as a Christian believer, this might even help to shape your prayer? Because while there were a lot of people who were praying during the campaign, uh, whether there would be yes or whether there would be no. Uh, now we know that the no vote has prevailed. Uh, the dust is beginning to settle on that. We don't actually want these things to disappear into the ether. Uh, we want those things to be at the forefront. So is this something you think uh, that we ought to be, as Christian believers, maybe just keeping in our own prayers uh, for the good of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples around Australia? I think we should. And what I'm encouraged about, Neil, is that, is that uh, Senator Price appears to be a person of Christian faith. And I, I might just uh, read to you a quote from one of my favourite authors, Rush Dooney, uh, in his book Roots of Reconstruction back in 1991, <clears throat> where he said that the purpose of biblical law, and all law grounded on a biblical faith, is to punish and restrain evil and to protect life and property to provide justice for all people. It is not the purpose of the state and its law to change or reform men. <clears throat> this is a spiritual matter and a task for religion. Man can be changed only by the grace of God through the ministry of the word. I wonder if there will be a legacy that might have been born out of the voice campaign that has actually supercharged some Christian missions uh, because Christian missions are very active in so many different communities right around Australia. 
uh, they will have been dealing with uh, those who have been suffering the grief of a no vote, uh, those who've been celebrating in some sense that there's not a divided nation along racial lines uh, on the other side. So uh, I wonder whether you think this might actually be an opportunity right now uh, in the light of dust settling on the voice campaign that this may actually have something that Christian Mission all of a sudden becomes a whole lot more relevant uh, in so many of these areas. Absol- yes, absolutely. And back back in January when when the Australian Open was was on in Melbourne and uh, Mr Albanese spent his famous four hours in Alice Springs uh, talking to people up there, there were at the time 35 government agencies in that town trying to serve and help people. But 35 government agencies were not solving the problems. They still had major dramas with alcohol, abuse, uh, domestic violence, uh, teenage crime, and so on. So what that says is, well, there are some things government cannot fix. And it comes back to private individuals, private groups, such as Christians and churches and others, so that we look at these things more sensibly, more practically. And uh, what we also know, too, is that we can't expect, as we've been saying over the months, Neil, we, we shouldn't expect too much from government. All they can do sometimes is provide us with law and order and 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 the enforcement of that law and order. Now, when that's happening, that's their role, that's their job. But there there are many other things, many other essential things that that each community needs that will not be supplied by government, but it can and must be provided by Christians and the church. I recall uh, one interview during the campaign with a uh, well-heeled private Christian school uh, who had a wonderful initiative to be <coughs> connecting with uh, schools in Indigenous communities around Australia. And uh, and I'll need to follow through, actually, and see what sort of developments came of that. But those sorts of initiatives, uh, even the thought, Andrew, and I'm just thinking aloud here, the thought of churches in the cities adopting a church in the country, adopting a church in an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander community, uh, not in order to, you know, sort of force anything, but to actually uh, connect by relationships so that there can be that sort of, uh, you know, standing in solidarity, uh, a brotherhood, sisterhood type thing. Any thoughts here around, you know, there's some things that don't actually cost money at all, uh, but can have a huge impact. Any thoughts here around spiritual connection to uh, people who are in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities? Well, that's a great idea. And because of our modern communications, where we can use not just telephones, but but um, Zoom and Skype and, and email, we more things that we couldn't years ago, which have meant which means now, that a church in Melbourne or Sydney or Brisbane or anywhere else for that matter can be assisting a church in central Australia, for instance, online or assisting it with Zoom and Skype with various forms of support and encouragement. So I think that's a, that's a great idea. So if we're concluding a conversation about legacy, the legacy post The Voice, uh, what have you come to conclude? Well, I can quote again from Port, the, 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 
the latter part of what Paul Kelly had written in that article in The Australian, where he said that, that, that the Labor's referendum record was one success in 25 proposals since Federation. That had to dictate caution, but it didn't. So the course was set, a contentious proposal devoid of formal bipartisanship. It became a march to political doom. So the moral is that referendums are national projects needing national cross-country, cross-party support. They cannot succeed as party political or historical just, unquote. What can we learn as well? Sensible voters won't be convinced by dreams, lies and bribes, but they will respond to balanced, plain facts, and they appreciated hearing those from our Northern Territory Senator Jacinta Nampajimpa-Price, along with solutions that I think give hope for the future. Uh, so yes. may her future be a bright one. I think she certainly has made a mark, and I don't think we've heard the last of Senator Price. Uh, Andrew McColl, Family Voice Australia State Director for Queensland. You can connect with Andrew through the Family Voice website, familyvoice.org.au. Uh, you can also check out Andrew's books. He's written a number of them over the years. They Shall Become One, The Significance of the Godly Family. Inherit the Earth and the Great Christian Revolution, uh, you'll be able to connect with Andrew at familyvoice.org.au. Andrew McColl, thank you so much for another update today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Great being with you again. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 